Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey, you know, one of the challenges about going into a relationship series is that we're talking to so many people, honestly, in different seasons of relationship. And it's a challenge because I have to kind of speak to everybody. But, you know, next to you is a single person. Next to you is a married person. Next to you is a divorced person. Next to you is an engaged person. And all around you are people who fall into the final category, complicated. You know what I'm saying? And so we got a bunch of complicated people uh, in complicated relationships. Um, it's kind of hard. And so my challenge is to be specific in general, to give you uh, practical truths that work no matter what your season of life is in, you're in. Um, but also that kind of speak. And so today's uh, title is Love Is. Pretty simple. Love Is. Because we're going to ask a really important question, answer a really important question. And the question we're going to answer today, which we all need to answer, is what is love? What is love? (laughs) I had to do it. I had to do it. I had to do it. And the answer is not, baby, don't hurt me, okay? The answer is not, baby, don't hurt me, okay? What is love? Love. What is love? And the reason why we have to answer that question is because for a lot of us, you know, not the rock story. Anyway, the reason why we have to answer that question is because so many of us get that definition from a contaminated source. And where you get something from matters. If I ask you if you want to drink a water, you might say, yeah, that'd be awesome. I'll, I'll take that drink of water. But you should really ask where the water came from before you take it. Um, has it did it come from, from, from the islands of Fiji? Uh, you know, triple filtered, evaporated through the clouds and reconstituted back in a, in, a, in, a, in a, you know, biologically free environment? Or, you know, did it come from my toilet bowl? That matters. And I think, and I think when we examine where things come from, that decides whether or not we want to take it in. And so for a lot of us, we've taken a definition from love because it's been there in our life, but we haven't really examined where it came from. And I think there are four places where we get a definition of love from. The first are unrealistic expectations. We talked about this um, last week, right? We get our definition of love from music and movies, from Hollywood and from Nashville. And I love love songs. I'm a big love song guy. I love love movies, you know? I love The Notebook, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Um, I think it's the saddest ending in the entire world. They both die, by the way, in case you were wondering. Um, that uh, it's horrible. So did I spoil that for you? Anyway, um, <laughs> And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not, not great, um, but, uh, but I love it. But the only problem with movies and music, you have to know this, they're not real. They're actors, they're fake, and sometimes they set these fake expectations for us, expecting us to live up to them, and they're not, they're not real. For a lot of people, it's not unrealistic expectations. We get our definition of love from poor examples. A lot of us have grown up in homes that didn't have the best images of what a husband and wife should be. Um, I think the divorce rate in America right now is 50%. And so about half of us in this room today grew up in a home where the father and mother were divorced. And that's unfortunate because studies have shown, this is a true statistic, that um, children of divorced parents have a 60% higher rate of divorce because their parents were divorced. Now, if you grew up in a home with divorced parents, that is not the nail in the coffin. Like, that's why you're here, to learn how you're supposed to do it. But it's kind of counterintuitive because you think, man, if I grew up in a home where my parents were divorced, you would think that the damage that would cause that you would say, well, I'll never get divorced. Well, you do. I mean, nobody ever gets married thinking to get divorced. The problem is that the, the only pattern they have was the pattern that was placed before them. So you have husbands that get married treating their wives like they saw their dad treat their moms. 
And that's the plot. It just repeats throughout. So we have those poor examples. And then finally, or not finally, but thirdly, we have um, uh, uh, painful experiences. Painful experiences. And what, what is that? That is the breakup, you know, that you still haven't gone. Like, you're 35, but you still remember third grade. Like, when she dumped you, and like, you're still her, or like, you know, they turn their back on you. Painful experiences. And what's the deal with painful experiences? The deal with painful experiences is that there are some people in this place today, you got hurt. You got hurt when you were younger, maybe middle school, elementary school. Something happened to you, and ever since then, you've set up a wall on your heart. And so now you've been married eight or ten years, but you still haven't given your heart completely to your spouse because you're still thinking in the back of your mind, they're going to leave me like so-and-so left me. They're going to betray me like so-and-so betrayed me. And you haven't been able to give your heart completely to that person because of all the breakups and all the damage and all the abuse you've been through. And now, so you're guarded, and you've been married for a couple of years now, but you're, oh, there's no love in our relationship because you haven't taken the wall down yet. You haven't taken, love is vulnerable, and if you don't put yourself in a vulnerable position, you can never truly love. But to make it all confusing, we take all these things, and then we end up in church like we do today, and so we take all of our animalistic expectations, we take all of our poor examples, we take all of our painful experiences, and, they're me, and then you hear me preach, and the Bible say, but what God says. And the reason why things get really confusing then is because what God says is so counter to what are the unrealistic expectations of culture. It's so counter to the examples we've seen. It's so counter to the experiences we've experienced that it's hard to kind of make sense of it all, and we get confused. We get confused in love. And honestly, it happens even when we're kids. Do you guys remember, like, trying to, like, explore love, like, even in elementary school? Like, even in first and second grade, like, I don't, like, I have a friend who has a daughter, and they're, like, in first grade, and she's like, oh, I love this boy in my class. I'm like, What? Like, it happens. Like, you remember? Come on, you remember that crush you had in third grade? Don't pretend, okay? You know you had it. Back in the day, it was tough, man. It was tough. You know, it was confusing. You didn't really know what love was, but you kind of felt, you know, you, you felt a certain kind of way towards this girl, to this little boy. And, and, you know, we didn't have Facebook and cell phones back then, you know? So you couldn't just poke somebody on Facebook, you know? You couldn't just send a message. No, no, you had to write a note. You had to write a love letter, and then you had to fo- you had to be like an expert in origami. You had to like fold it like 23 times, then you gave it to the person, and then they pulled on that one sleeve, and the 13 pages came out, and you're like, boom, you know, it's my, it's my, it's my I love you. It's my love letter to you. And, and so I, I, I pulled out some children's notes, some love notes from kids um, that I thought would help exemplify just how confusing love was for us when we were children. This is the first note. It says, it says um, dear Susan, I love you very much. I like you as, as much as cake. And I love you more than anything in the world, except cake. I like you as much as cake. I don't know why this little boy is decapitated her over in the corner. And it's like he's choking her over there. But it's confusing. I'm not sure. I love you, but I also love cake. So I'll just show the next one. Um, it goes like this. It says, uh, I'm angry at you, and I'm not talking to you. Today and tomorrow, P.S. all day, P.S.S. I still love you, though. I still love you, though. I want you to know I'm angry at you. I will talk to you. But I love you. It's confusing. I can't process this all right now. <laughs> I love you, but I want to kiss you. I, I'm angry, but I want to kiss you. Next one. Not much has changed, right? I love you, I want to kiss you. I want to punch you, but I also can't live without you. Uh, this one was written by Rachel to a boy named Sean. Sean, I'm breaking up with you. You have not talked to me since the day you asked me out, and that was three months ago. (laughs) You need to get it together, or you will never get married, and that would be sad. But just to be clear, you should get married, just not to me. Rachel. (laughs) Confused. 
Sean, you're confused, Sean. You need to figure it. Do you want me? Do you not want me, Sean? You're confused. It's not working out, Sean. It's not working out. Next one. Uh, remember this one? Yes, no, maybe. Remember that? Here's that girl. Yes, no, maybe. Also, there was like the scale from one to ten. How much do you like me? She would write in zero. She'd break your heart. Just me? Okay. Um, dear Ashley, dear Ashley, would you please be my girlfriend? I like you a lot. Yes, no, maybe. In case you don't understand, here's the directions. Please put yes, no, or maybe. Um, Ashley, Ashley circled no, but she was kind enough to give a, a reason. She said, I'm sorry. I already have a boyfriend, Kyle. But when we break up, you're my next choice. <laughs> P.S. P.S. That'll probably be in a month or two. P.S. <laughs> At least she's keeping it real. Ashley's keeping it 100. Ashley's not playing games. She's... She's serious. She wants you to know. She wants to keep her options open. Um, the next one, guys haven't changed a lot. The next one, um, I'm sorry I've been chasing you outside, but if you would just start liking me, I'd stop chasing you. <laughs> so just, ladies, guys haven't changed much, have we? They're just still chasing you. you just, but if you just like me, I'd stop, stop chasing you. And finally, last one, um, Aaron, I think I love you. But also, I might love another girl. And just so you know, her name's Tara. Just so, so you know. I don't want to hide anything. I want to throw it all out there. I love you. But I, lo I love Tara, too. It's between you and Tara. So, uh, man, we're confused, you know? We're confused in elementary. We're confused in high school. We're confused when we're adults. Love is a confusing business. And I think one of the main reasons why love is such a confusing business is because all of the expectations and all of the experiences and all of the examples have convinced us that love is an emotion. And love is not an emotion. I mean, emotion is a part of love, but it cannot be the foundation for which you build love or relationships on because there's one problem with emotion. If you can tell, look, there's not much space for anybody else, which is an issue because it takes two to be in a relationship. And so if emotion is your foundation, there's only room for one person. And guess who that person is? You. And so your relationship, which is supposed to be about two people, is actually ending up just being about one person, about you and how that person makes you feel and how that person serves you. And does that person make you, you know, laugh and make you, make you smile? And, and it's just cool as long as they can do it. But, but ladies, I'm going to just tell you, as a guy, it's really hard to keep that up. We can keep you laughing and smiling for a couple months, but a couple years, we are out. We are out of jokes. We are out of date ideas. We are, why, why he hasn't brought me flowers? Because we have nothing else to do. We don't know what to do. And so if, if, if your relationship is built on emotions, then it's not going to last um, because it's gonna be all about you. And then eventually, that other person won't make you feel as great as they made you feel before. And you're going to come to the false conclusion that you're no longer in love because love's an emotion. It's a bad foundation to have. You should build your relationships and you should build your definition of love. Like Paul said in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 7, he says this, And now, as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on who? On him. You see, this is a much better foundation because there's more space here. Paul said it better. He said, nothing can separate us from the love of God. He said, it is deep. And he said, and it is wide. See, so there's space. So now I got space to love Liz, my wife. I got space to love Justice and Zane, my boys. I got space to love my church. I got space to love my leaders. I got space to love people because my foundation is secure, which is, which is why you got to understand your definition of love is not founded 
on your love for others or even for God. Your foundation for the definition of love is, to, is, is defined by God's love for you. Let me say it another way. Love is not something you find. Love is realizing you've been found. Now, I know that it's countercultural because we live in the e-harmony, Christian mingle, Tinder, swipe left, swipe right society where we're all on a hunt for love. We we're all shooting our shots. We were all looking for someone or something. And, and, and I, and I want to let you know, listen, I'm not, I'm not knocking eHarmony. And I'm not knocking Christian Mingle. Please don't be on Tinder. But I'm not, I'm knocking, I'm not knocking the other ones. I just, I just want you to know there's nothing wrong with those things as long as your heart is in the right place. But if your heart is in the wrong place, and what is the wrong place? If, if, you, if God and his spirit is not enough for you, a person will never be. Are you following me? Listen, a lot of people use the Bible to back up their bad behavior. Do you know that? All the time. The devil did it too. It makes sense. I get it. Um, you know, there's one verse in the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, where God makes Adam. And then after he makes Adam, he says, it is not good for man to be, do you know how it goes? Alone is what he says. And then he makes Eve out of Adam's rib, out of his womb. And single people have taken that verse forever. And they're like, you see, it's not good for me to be alone. Being alone and single is not God's will for my life. Even God said it. Listen, I'm not desperate. I'm just obeying the word of God. I'm just, I got to be obedient. Pastor, be obedient. And God said it's not good for me to be alone. And so it's not good for me alone. I need somebody to complete me because, because I wasn't complete until Eve comes into my life or Adam comes into my life. Yeah, but you miss one major detail in that story, single person. I'll talk to married people in just a moment. Single person, this is the detail that you've missed. God said it wasn't good for man to be alone. Not Adam. Why? Because Adam was good. It was God and it was Adam in the garden and they were having a great time. And it was the Lord who decided when to bring him his helpmate. He wasn't walking through the garden talking about, I need somebody. I love the giraffes and I love the lions, but come on, bro. I'm getting a little lonely. No, God put him in the garden, and it was just God, and it was Adam. And once God realized that Adam had gotten to the place where he was enough for his heart, he said, and now I'm going to bless you. We make a stigma out of singleness, thinking that being single is bad. But being single is not bad. It's the one rare season of your life where the only one you have to love is Jesus. And if you can take advantage of that season, then in his timing, he will say, it's not good for you to be alone. And then he will bring you that mate. But if you try to jump, if you try to say it before God says it, you're going to miss it. And the more you pursue, the more it escapes. Married person, that's important too. Why? Because if you don't understand how to be content in just him, it doesn't stop when you find the one. Because even when you find the one and they do something that upsets you, you're going to keep looking for another one. So you got to be solid on that. Why is it so important to understand God's love for you? Because understanding God's love for you helps you love you. And the Lord knew that you can never learn to love someone else if you don't first learn to love yourself. Do you know what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 22? Listen, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 39. Love the Lord your God. That's the foundation. His love for you. This is the first commandment. Second's like this one. Love others as you love yourself. Did you hear that? Love others as you love yourself. In other words, you can't love others until you love yourself. Why? Because love is an exchange. It's a giving and it's a receiving. You can't just love someone and call that love. That's not love. That's called stalking, okay? One-sided love is stalking, all right? But, but a love that is given and received is an exchange, it's an exchange. That's, that's, true. that's true love. It's an exchange. And you will never receive love if in your heart, if in your mind, you believe you're unlovable. Let me say it to you another way. The heart can never receive what the mind does not believe. 
And so here, let me, let me make it more practical. If you think you're unworthy, if you think you're not valuable, if you think you're not special, no person will ever fulfill that. No person can ever meet that. And that's a problem because now we got people in relationships. We got guys doing everything in their power to show their wife that they love them. And the wife is drifting further and further away. We have women who are giving their bodies, doing things in bed that they're not comfortable with, all to show their husband or their mate that, that they love them, but the husband is drifting further and further away. Why? You're trying to fill a void that you can't fill. You're trying to convince someone you love them when they don't even love themselves. It doesn't work like that. They got to first get their value from Christ, build their life on Christ, let the love of Christ fill them. Listen, I love my wife. When we first got married, she saved me a ton of money. She introduced me to a section of the store I had no idea existed. The clearance rack. I would walk in, I'd pull the first thing out, man. I see the shoes look cool, I'm gonna get those shoes. Hundred dollars, I'm out of there, nice. Not her, mm-mm. She would take me by the hand, she would go, don't you ever pay full price? That was the first time she yelled at me in my marriage. She said, don't you ever pay full price again. As long as we are married, we were going thrift shopping and we were going to the clearance. I can't remember the last time I bought something new. For 10 years, I can't remember. We're going to the clearance rack, and here's what I've learned about the things that are on clearance and things that are on sale. There's one of three reasons why they're on sale. Either A, they're damaged, either B, they've been used, or either three, nobody wants them. They're out of season. I think a lot of people put their hearts on clearance, and a lot of people put their bodies on sale because A, they've been abused, damaged. B, they're, they're out of season. Maybe somebody cheated on them or... Or, 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 or see that there's some type of sin. It's the same type of thing. It's the type of sin that they've committed in the past that brings some type of shame on them, and they can't get over their own bad choices. And so when other people come, even though they won't tell them what that bad choice is, they allow that bad choice to live inside them, and they really don't get close because they're like, if you ever knew the real me, if you ever knew what was inside, you wouldn't love me. But let me, let me tell you something about, about the front of the store. All the new stuff is at the front of the store, and the new stuff at the front of the store is top dollar because it's new. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he took old things and he made it new. He took used things and he made it new. He took abused things and he made it you. And so let me tell you something about your value. Let me tell you something about your worth. You are top dollar baby. You are not on sale. You are not a goodwill item. You are not a thrift shop item. There is value to your life. So women, stop giving away your body to find value. Men, stop sleeping around to go on some type of conquest. If you can sleep with how many women that will give you value mm -mm -mm. get your value from who Jesus says that you are build your life on that build your life on that and it will be your rock and so the beginning is you got to let God become your source after you let God become your source you got to get around good people we talked about this in small group sign up day you got to get social Okay, you got to get in a good small group. If you're single, if you're married, get in a good small group. If your marriage is on the rocks, don't just get in a good marriage small group, but get into counseling. If you got a great marriage, I need you to be a small group leader. I need you to show everyone else what a good marriage looks like, but get social, okay? And then after that, so, so let me make it so you can remember it. God is your source. People are your resource. And then the person you're interested in, they become your course, you know, a course like in college, like you have to study. And so you got to be able to study them. Why you got to be able to study them? Because you want to know if they're compatible with you. This is the interpersonal stage of relationship where you get to learn about that other person. And it's so important in this stage of love and in this stage of relationship because the lessons you learn down here get applied here. You learn down here that only God can complete a person. And you learn up here when you get to know somebody that only God can complete a person. And so when you meet a person who's incomplete, don't fall into the lie that you're the one that's gonna complete them. It might be God's way of telling you to move on until they're ready for a relationship, which is why the next definition of love, I'm gonna have fun with this. Listen, love is not rescuing, love is revealing.
So good, because we got single people. I'm going to talk to married people, because this applies to you. But let me just tell my single people, where you at? Wave at me, single people. Come on, come on. Look around, y'all. Look around. This is your opportunity. Okay, single people. Here's the deal. Listen, this is you right now. You are ready to go, single people. You have been fasting 21 days. Mm-mm. You are in this love, sex, and marriage series. You bought all the books in the lobby. You, you went through all the Joyce Meyer courses. You know what I'm saying? You, you said you got your finances in order, and you were like, I am ready for a man. I am ready for a girl. And I don't just want nobody. Mm-mm. Now that I'm ready, I want a man of God. I want a woman of the Lord. I want somebody who has been to the cross. Somebody who is at the feet of the cross. Somebody who is on the cross. That's what I want. Somebody who loves the cross. And that's cool. And that's cool. And that's cool. For a little while. For a little while. But after about mm, three Valentine's days at your parents' house, after about three single awareness days watching Hallmark movies on repeat, all of a sudden, we begin to get a little bit desperate. We begin a little bit, and, and, and all of a sudden, our desires begin to lower our expectations, and we're like, forget about being at the cross. I will settle if he has a tattoo of the cross. I'll be on that right there. I just, I just need some semblance of religion. Just, you got a cross necklace? I'll take that. Like, whatever you got, I'm on it. And we allow our desires to lower our expectation, and all of a sudden, we, st- we meet somebody who doesn't quite look like us. And we probably shouldn't be hanging out with them, probably shouldn't be entertaining that relationship, but we justify it. You know how we justify it? Because, because we talk about, oh, no, 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 this is, I'm, I'm Jesus in their life. Yeah, that's what we do. I'm, I'm Jesus. Jesus loves you. Don't you know? You should come to church with me. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and, 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 and we say, we say, nah, man, this is like, this is a new outreach method called flirt to convert. <laughs> we got, that's what we're doing. He don't look like me. He don't act like me, but I'm going to spend time with him. And this is what we do. We start giving him or her ourself. But nothing changes. And then we end up empty because we spend so much of our energy trying to fix them. Now we're broken. And because we're not spending time with God anymore, he's no longer our source, and the closest person to us is right here. And at the end of it all, we start to look more like them than they look like us. Here's what I've learned. You can't change people, but people sure can't change you. And you better be careful, because I have met so many people, single people and married people, like this. I used to sing in church. I used to serve in church. I used to lead a small group in church. Then I met this person. Then I got married and I met this person. And now I've lost, I feel like I lost my ministry. I feel like I lost my calling. I feel like I lost my purpose. What do you do? Hope is, there's hope for you. If you're single, here's what you do. You need to make sure that that person goes through the filter of God's word. You need to make sure that person spends time in the word. That person spends time in God's presence. And you let the Holy Spirit do what only the Holy Spirit can do, which is change and transform. Now, there's one caveat here. It's slow. 
It takes time because there's a lot of sludge. There's a lot of bad experience. There's a lot of bad examples. There's a lot of, uh, of, of bad expectations. And, and it takes time for all that to work through. So listen, if you've just been saved, don't just jump right into a relationship. You're not ready. You've got to let the filter do its thing. You got to let God work on your heart. If you find somebody who just gave their life to Jesus, wait, let the Holy Spirit work on their heart. What if you're married? Is this an excuse to get out of your marriage? Because somebody's like, that's my word right there for me. Mm-mm. I got to get away from this man because he be, I'm looking like that. He did that to me. Uh-uh. I'm not going to do that no more. I'm out of this marriage. No. Listen, it's hard to preach to everybody because I don't know your story. So I need to give you some background. Listen, what I'm about to say doesn't apply if you're in an abusive marriage. If you're in a husband or wife that physically, emotionally abuses you. This doesn't apply to you. You need to get out. You need to, get, you need to call the cops. You need to call DCF. You need to call Pookie and them. Somebody. You need to call somebody. Take care of your business. You need to help some out. But, but if, if, if that's not you, listen, I'm going to give you a test right now that, that you'll know if you married the right one. You ready? This is how you know if you married the right one. I want you to go home. I want you to find your marriage certificate if you know where it's at. It might be crumpled up. Might be burned alcohol all over. <laughs> I don't know what you, so you got. Once you find that, I want you to find your name, and then I want you to look across. And if the person on the other side, if the name of that person is the person that you you married, the right person. <laughs> That's good preaching. That's good preaching. That's good preaching. That's good preaching. You married the right person. What do I do then? What do I do? Don't try and change them because you can't. I'm gonna tell you a story about my, my grandma. It's really Liz's grandma, but I call her my grandma, Grandma Flora. She's an angel. I know she had a relationship with God because the moment I met her, she said, my granddaughter, she's going to marry you. You're the one for her. So, so, so you know she heard from Jesus. I'm just saying. <laughs> she knows she heard in the Holy Spirit with twite. Okay? You know that. And so, and so, but she wouldn't always like that. She's actually an atheist. She moved from Puerto Rico to New York because she had breast cancer. And when she went there um, to New York, the doctors couldn't do anything for her. said, so, you know what? It's, gonna, it's time. It's going to take your life. And... Um, uh, one day, some Christians knocked on her door, back when Christians used to do that, knocked on the door and said, would you like to come to church? She said, well, no, medicine ain't working, the doctors ain't working, so I'll come to church. A couple months in, listen to the true story, she was completely healed of breast cancer. God completely transformed her life, but her husband was an atheist. He was not about it. And if you're an atheist here, no, I love you. I love you. I'm not knocking you. I'm just saying he wasn't about God. He wasn't about Christianity. And so um, she came home. She was completely transformed. Five years, she would pray for her husband. Five years, he would come home every Friday night drunk, and she used to argue with him. This is what her grandfather said. Her grandfather said, I knew, I knew that God was real. I don't know if this was a diss or testimony. She said, I knew God was real when I saw the change in my wife's life. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all are married right now. To that if, listen, some of your husbands are thinking right now, if God could change you, he must be real. I'm just saying. And I just want to encourage you, wife, I want to encourage you, husband, what's going to change your spouse is not your effort, it's your faith. After five years of praying, after five years of not arguing but wiping up the vomit, after five years of serving, after five years of believing, God came in the clutch and met her grandfather. Her grandfather was a deacon at the church, running all the business of the church by the time he passed away to be with the Lord. God transformed him, not because someone preached to him or pushed him or forced him, because he simply loved him. Simply loved him. I mean, I wish I had more time, but I gotta close. I'm just gonna. And once you once you get that, then you get emotional. Then you get emotional, okay? But until then, you gotta guard your heart, okay? And listen, you gotta let compatibility be the force that drives emotion. This is so deep. Listen, 
Let compatibility be the force that drives emotion instead of forcing compatibility because you're emotional. Can I leave that on the screen for 10 more seconds? Because some people, it's not fitting. The pieces aren't fitting for you. I'm talking about single people now. It's not fitting for you. You're like, well, you know why He's cute. And you know why he's got money. And you know he's got a degree. And you're trying to make it fit because he's got, but he doesn't love Jesus. And he doesn't love you. And it's not, it's not working spiritually. You don't have the same goals in life. Don't try to force compatibility because you're emotional, but let compatibility drive emotion. And then at the end, 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 you can get physical. <laughs> this is the winky face emoji. This is the only way I could illustrate physical. <laughs> Once you get married, then. Let's get it out. No, I'm just kidding. 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 By then you're married. It's cool. So um, then you can get physical. Why? Because love and feeling and emotion and, and sex, all those things are great to top off a relationship, but they're terrible to build a relationship on. They're not sturdy enough. It's not wide enough. It's not strong enough. It's so fragile. It's so, it's so, so temporary. It's short, short-lasting. And, and so, so you can't use that as your foundation. And I'll give you this. I have a fourth point. I'm not going to get to my fourth point. I'm just going to close on this. It's because you have to understand, the reason why we put this at the end is because love is not a feeling. It's a choice. Love is not a feeling. It's a choice. I hope you grasp that. I know I've kind of been saying that throughout this sermon series, but I need to repeat it until you really grasp it. A couple years ago, two years ago to be exact, my wife and I, I shared this story before with our church, I'll share it again. We went on a trip to New York City, and in New York City, we got into an argument, and it was something dumb over some camera thing. She wanted to take pictures, like, everywhere. Guys, help me out, man. What is it with the... Stop! Before you eat that pizza, smile. And so she's like, I'm trying to not take pictures. She wants to take a bunch of pictures. And I knew I was in trouble when she said, pack extra batteries for the camera. I'm like, are you telling me we're going to take so many pictures? You're going to go through a pack of batteries? I said, no, I'm not packing extra batteries. When that camera runs out of power, we are done taking pictures. And we, we, we did not honor each other in that moment. We started to, we never shout, but we started to get a little rude with one another. And I remember, and it was the first time in eight years. Little did I know that the average marriage lasts eight years. Eight years is typically the divorce. So if you're on year seven or year eight of your marriage, single people need to hear this too. Be prayed up because sometimes the enemy uses that. We're eight years in, which is statistically right. And for the first time in eight years of marriage, I love my wife. I can never picture my life without her. For the first time in eight years, I thought, you know what? If she wasn't there anymore, it wouldn't be the end of the world. I thought that. I was a pastor. I'm just being honest. You know, I'm supposed to have my life together. It was two years ago, but it's still, it's not, I'm embarrassed. It's not proud of it. I thought for the first time, I said, you know what? If it doesn't work out, I can, I can see my life. I can see myself going. And it broke me. The moment I saw my life without, and I was okay with it, it terrified me. It scared me. And so you know what I did? I learned a secret. Here's a secret. Motion creates emotion. So I said to myself, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not feeling love. And so I'm going to love through my service and my action, even though I don't have the love in my heart. So I don't clean the shower at the house. I just don't do it. It's something she does, I don't do. I do other things. I throw out the trash, I kill the bugs, big stuff. I don't clean the shower. I don't do the dishes. I don't sweep. She does, we, we, we split the, I started doing all of her chores. And when we got home, mind you, I'm not feeling her right now. 
I can see my life without her. But with that in my mind, I grab the mop. I grab the broom. I grab the sponge. I grab, and I start cleaning. And I, start, I clean the shower. And I did that for about two or three weeks, just serving her, serving her, until my heart followed my hands. And then one day she looked at me and she said, babe, I just want you to know I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the argument back in New York three weeks ago. I felt something and I just want you to know I love you. And I started crying. I said, babe, I love you too. And I got to be honest, for the first time in eight years, and I let it, and I let it all out. And we reconciled. And she said, oh man, so that's why you were doing all that stuff. I said, yeah. She said, well, are you going to keep doing it? I said, no. I said, that's a break in case of emergency glass. It's already been broken. It's, we're good now. We can go back to you do that and I'll do that. And, and so, and so, and so I'm just telling you, husbands, you want to love your wife? I hear, I can hear your heart right now, husbands. And I, single guys, I'll talk to you in a second. Husbands say, I just want to love my wife like I used to love her. Like when we were in the dating phase, it was all romantic. You want to love her like you used to love her? Treat her like you used to treat her. Serve her like you used to serve her. And watch your heart follow your hands. I know you're not feeling it right now, but choose love. Don't just feel love. Let me talk to the women and the wives. And if you're single, you need to hear this too. Wives, you want your husband to, be, to help out around the house more? How about speaking to him like a hero instead of a housekeeper? Because if you challenge me to help, I'm not going to help. But if you, if, you, if you lift me up, if when I get home, my wife looks at me and she goes, baby, I just want you to know you are the sexiest man alive. On top of that, I want you to know that you are a provider like I have never met before in my life. My children are lucky to have your DNA, your chromosome. They are blessed to be from your fruit of your loom. And I just want you to know, I'm going to tell you, when she tells me that, I am stepping, I'm, what do you need me to do? <laughs> What bear do you need me to choke? What country do you need me to conquer? Girl, I am yours. I'm yours, girl. I'm yours. I'll do it. What do you need me to do? I want my husband to come to life. He's not, he's dead. I want him to come to life. If you want your husband to come to life, speak life into your husband. Speak life into your husband. Because love is not what you get. Love is what you give. Love just is, regardless of what someone does to you, regardless of what you get back. Love just gives. So here's my word for married people and then single people. Married people, you want something from your spouse that you're not getting? A love, a respect, an appreciation, a romance? Give it. Even if you don't get it back. Why? Because love doesn't force you to give it what it wants. Love gives what it wants. Do you hear that? Love doesn't force another person to give it what it wants. Love gives what it wants, even if it doesn't get it back. That's what Jesus did. He gave us his son knowing that half of the world wouldn't even receive him. But he gave it anyway. Give him anyway. If you're single, how do I apply that? There are people in your life you can love right now. Brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, in-laws. People you can love right now. You can love them right now. Friends, church people, small group. When you show God that you can steward love, think of that as your practice. Now that I know you can love your neighbor, I'm going to bring you a spouse. But give what you need. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're in this place right now, and God has asked you to make a commitment to love. That's right now. Make a commitment to love. You're in this place. I want to pray for you. 
All right, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray this prayer, but you need to pray it too. There are people in your life who you deem unlovable. God is saying, I need you to love the unlovable. Are you ready? Father God, I thank you so much for every man, woman, and child in this room right God. I pray that you speak to us right now. God, we want to love more. We want to love like you love. We want to give what we need. There are husbands that need to love their wives. There are wives that need to love their husbands. There are single people who need to love their friends. There are single people who need to love their parents. They've totally forgotten about their parents. You know, honor them and love them, God. And you're going to bring the blessing. You're going to bring the helpmate when we need. Instead of us asking for a spouse, God, just give us someone to love point out the people in our life that we need to love and as we give love we know that we'll receive love but even if we don't we got you our foundation and our rock every head bowed every eye closed if you're in this place right now and you feel unlovable and you feel like damaged goods and you feel like you've been used and abused and worn out and you can't love somebody because you can't even love yourself then I want to invite you to meet your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ he loves you so much that he gave his own life for you so in this place right now when I count to three you want to receive a brand new love you want to receive Jesus Christ into your heart you want to start fresh and anew when I say three shoot your right hand up to the sky one two right now all over this place I want to feel new three raise your right hand feel the love of God rushing over you right now you are not used Come on, raise your hand if you need this. You are not abused. You are starting brand new right now. Church, join me in this prayer. Everyone pray this prayer together for those who are giving their lives to Jesus Christ right now. Father God, come on, say it loud with some conviction. Father God, I know that you love me because you gave your son Jesus for me. I am not worthless. I am invaluable. Forgive me for my past. Make me new. I receive your son Jesus Christ. In his name I pray, amen and amen. Hey, would you stand to your feet and give God praise for everyone who made a decision? Right now, we had six people. Raise their hand, come on, stand to your feet as we close out and give God praise, come on. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us, amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.